The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to a very refreshing hour of business talk. This is Game-Changing Utilities of the Future, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. You'll hear from the innovators who know how to use game-changing technologies and business strategies to transform industries. And importantly, they will discuss how these technologies and strategies can shake up the status quo in your company's future and help your organization move in exciting new directions. Now, here's your host and moderator, Bonnie D. Graham. Welcome, welcome, welcome. And if you want to run with the Game Changers, you know you're absolutely in the right place. I'm thrilled to be debuting our fifth new series in 2017. This one is Game Changing Utilities of the Future Radio. If you don't know what that means, stick around. You know what a utility is. We're going to be talking about all of them. Where have they come from? Where are they going? What business models are working and not working? And very prophetically, the topic for our kickoff show is this ain't your grandmother's utility anymore if you don't think if you think that's too chauvinistic, we could say this ain't your grandfather's utility anymore. I'm Bonnie D. Graham, thrilled to be here, and we are going to have a panel of two people. I want to get started first with the overview. We call it the buzz, in case you're new to Game Changers. Do a little buzz, talk about the topic, and then I'll introduce our guests. I want you to stick around for the next 56 minutes or so. We have a lot to talk about. Even if you're not in the utility industry, you have something to do with utilities. You must be getting something from somewhere, gas, water, electricity, so come on, stick around. Let's see, what's the buzz on the street? I have a very interesting quote, a little bit humorous, maybe facetious, from Dave Barry. If you don't know who he is, look him up. Here's the quote. We believe that electricity exists because the electric company keeps sending us bills for it, but we cannot figure out how it travels inside wires. Okay, thank you, Dave Barry. That was a classic. So what's happening with utilities today? They are facing immense pressure to do more for less with less. So... Is that any different from any other industry? Well, maybe it's a little more dire for utilities. Let's talk about the forces that are challenging them. For one thing, new entrants in the marketplace. Come on, you know what competition is. Sometimes it just sneaks up on you. You don't know where it's coming from. And boom, somebody's changing your industry. Well, new entrants in the marketplace are pressing utilities, the traditional ones, that's grandma and grandpa, to adapt new service delivery approaches or risk being stagnant and facing declining revenue and declining margins. So they have to adopt a new service delivery, and that means getting something they're selling or providing to us in a new way. Another force that's challenging them, the digitalization of customer engagement asset management, and financial optimization. This is pushing utilities collectively to rethink their business models, how they need to drive revenue growth without also driving up employee base growth. So they 
as I said, they have to do more with less for less. Definitely not business as usual, kids. The experts speak, and I'm going to tell you who our two experts are, and then we'll get started. First up, in a moment, I'll be introducing you to James McClelland. He is the sponsor of this new series. James has appeared with me on our flagship Coffee Break with Game Changers show several times over the past few years, talking about utilities and the grid, and he always brings us great guests. So I said to James, what do you think? Is it time for a series on utilities? And he said, okay, we'll do it. So James is the senior Global Director of SAP Utilities and Energy Industry Marketing. I'll introduce him in a moment. Joining him is also a previous panelist from Coffee Break with Game Changers. She is Jill Feblowitz, exactly the way it sounds, President of Feblowitz Energy Consulting. So let's start off with a quote James has sent me from none other than Niccolo Machiavelli. You know Niccolo Di Bernardo de Machiavelli. He was an Italian Renaissance historian politician, diplomat. I'm losing breath here. He's got so many titles. Philosopher, humanist, and writer. He's often been called the founder of modern political science, most renowned for his work, The Prince, Il Principe, in 1513. Here's the quote James has selected from Machiavelli. There is nothing more difficult to take in hand, more perilous to conduct, or more uncertain in its success than to take the lead in the introduction of a new order of things. James McClellan, I'm so happy to have you on your show, your debut. How are you, James? I'm doing very well, Bonnie D., and thank you very much for having us. Ah, oh, you're sweet. Only people who really care about me say Bonnie D, and I appreciate that. You're very kind. So before you tell us about this quote from Machiavelli, and it's a giant quote, just tell us a little bit about, I said I had asked you why not do a show on utilities and, and a whole series, 10 episodes. What do you think is so critical about utilities right now that we need to have this series? Well, I'll, I'll tell you, Bonnie, it's... Um I've been in this business for a long time, and I came from a utility, and we've been talking for so many years about the things that are going to happen to utilities, the big type of changes that are taking place in the utilities industry. And it's now just coming to fruition, so it's a very exciting time to be in utilities when it used to be such a slow-moving ship. And things are moving. It's changing the landscape of everything. As you started off the program, you said you don't need to be in the utilities business to understand what's happening in utilities and how it's changing us. We're all consumers, we're all customers, and everything that's happening to the utility is impacting everybody on this planet. There you go. So it's it's a universal challenge, it's a universal issue, and, and as Dave Barry said quite jokingly uh, in my introduction, James, we don't know how it's getting there, but we're getting it, and, and we all know we need it. We just may need different types of utilities, different types of services in different forms today. So let's now do a little dissecting here. Machiavelli, what would he say? He passed away in 1527. We're now 2017. You could do the math. What would he say if he knew you were talking about him very appropriately in a topic on a radio station that is delivered delivering thought leadership language to listeners all over the world, basically without any wires. What would he say? I think his first question would be, what the heck is a radio show? <laughs> I know your sense of humor. You're absolutely right. <laughs> you got me on that one. So after he got over that, what would he say? <laughs> oh, James, you, you always do that. What would he say about, uh, about utilities, about what we're talking about today? The oh, new order of things. I, yep. I think that the, qu 
quote was very, very appropriate because, as we stated, utilities are very slow-moving machines. We knew what our business was, and that's what we did. We wanted to make sure the lights go on when we flip the switch. We want to make sure that water comes out of the faucet when we turn it on. And we want to make sure the gas uh, works when we click it. Well, that's changing. That's changing. That's what we're going to get into with this series on digital transformation and how the businesses are, are transforming in utilities but to change and to be that leader, um, it, it, it's quite a challenge for utilities for someone to take and be that flagship to, to really invest into change and be full, you know, both feet into the game. Thank you very much. And that's why you're here. And that's why Jill is here. And I'm thrilled to welcome our guest today, special guest, Jill Feblowitz, as I said, president of Feblowitz Energy Consulting. And Jill has sent a very appropriate quote from Eleanor Roosevelt. Anybody doesn't know who she was or remember her? Anna Eleanor Roosevelt, 1884 to 1962, was an American politician, diplomat, and activist. Now, those of you who know, she was the longest serving first lady of the U.S. from March 33 to April 45. During Franklin Delano Roosevelt, her husband's four terms in office, I didn't even mention that she was a first lady. I said politician, diplomat, and activist. So that's what she was known for. She was also a U.S. delegate to the U.N. General Assembly from 1945 to 52. And President Harry S. Truman later called her the first lady of the world in tribute to her Human Rights Act achievements. So Jill has selected the following from many, many quotes of Eleanor Roosevelt. You must do the things you think you cannot do. Jill Fablowitz, Happy New Year. Welcome to James' new series. How have you been? Good, good. And uh, thank you for this opportunity. I really appreciate it. We're delighted. Talk to me. You a big fan of Eleanor Roosevelt's? Big fan of Eleanor Roosevelt. I just uh, uh, last year went to Valkyl, um, her homestead, and learned a lot more about her. And what's interesting to me about this quote is it has uh, it re- resonates with me personally. Um, because in order to grow in life, you need to take on things that you think you can't do. (laughs) And I use this quote to kind of remind me that, you know, there will be a lot that will be said to you that you can't do it, that you'll say to yourself that you can't do something. But in order to grow and change, you really need to do that. And then taking it, you know, a little bit more broadly, I think that's where where utilities are at these days. Uh, the thing that you think you can't do, you know, you must do. And uh, we've seen a lot happening, especially this year, uh, where utilities are being forced into really new situations that they have to deal with. Now, you said have to deal with. There's no choice there, is there? I opened with this, ain't your grandma's or your grandpa's utility anymore. I talked about facing stagnation of revenues and growth. It's not a must have, it's not a wish to have, or maybe we'll think about it. How dire is it in terms of facing utilities that have to do things differently, Jill? How bad is it? Well, um, I think, I think, you know, it depends on your judgment here. But what I've seen happen in the last couple of years is there's been a combination of regulations, which I think we'll still have on the state and state and local level, but also um, in the U.S., more competition, as you mentioned in the introduction, from non-utility mm-hmm. players. As, right. You know, the prices of, of solar have dropped, of wind have dropped, customers are kind of deciding to leave utilities by generating their own <laughs> and they'll soon be scoring their own. 
And I think this has taken the utilities by surprise in that they didn't expect customer defection, that they have to deal with with new processes, and um, they have to also uh, re-gear the the underlying infrastructure um, to be able to handle uh, these new resources, especially, and and, and this applies especially to the the power utilities. There's certainly a lot going on with gas and water. Um, For water, I think there's a lot of... um, ways that water utilities are being confronted with the dynamics of, of droughts at the, on the one hand and sea level rise on the other. And this is happening more and more frequently. So I think that, that for them, it's a, a must-do. Thank you very much, Jill. Good overview of the industry. And now we're going to do a little bit of storytelling. You both probably remember this. It's called What's in Your Cup Today. So I'm going to start off with James McClellan and ask you, James, where are you right now? Where are you calling from? I'm actually calling from the balcony of my house. So I'm fortunate enough to be at home today. It's a lovely, cool, crisp day as I'm looking out over the lake. And very, very nice time to be around. And what are you drinking? I wish I could have come up with something witty. I sat and scratched my head about that, but unfortunately I'm sipping away at a cup of Lipton iced tea this morning. Lipton iced tea. Okay. Anything in it? Did you, is this fresh brew? Did you put a little honey in it, a little lemon, a little sugar, a little agave? What's going on? Nope, I'm an unsweetened type of guy, so I'm sweet enough already. But uh. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, James, I, I have to tell everybody, I couldn't, when James was on Game Changers Coffee Break a couple of years ago, I was looking for a photo of him, and he sent me a very stern visage, if you will. He was not smiling, and he looked very serious. And I stayed up very late at night looking for anything I could find, James McClellan, at conferences and videos, no matter what I was looking for, I could only find that same particular visage. Finally, I found one that was smiling, and that became my favorite. But he has a great sense of humor, and he kind of sneaks up on you. Thank you, James. Enjoy your tea. And now, Jill Feblowitz, where are you calling from, and what's in your cup today? Well, I'm calling from my home office, and and hopefully uh, the sounds of our gas utility replacing the much-needed gas lines in our neighborhood won't interfere. So I'm very happy about that, actually. And what's in cup is nothing that exciting, but what I would like to be in my cup, I've become a real fan in the last year of dark beers, and because Mm. there's so many microbreweries and so many local breweries uh, around Massachusetts now, believe it or not, um, I really had a lot of choices. Uh, So my current favorite is a local brewery from uh, Salem, Massachusetts, and it's called Dutch Brewery, and they have a really good dark beer. Um, I've also been kind of a fan of the nitro processing, um, which uh, I've had a, a milk stout that's processed with nitro, and the bubbles are really smaller than your normal carbonation, so it's very smooth. I wish I were drinking those things now, but it's the middle of the afternoon. What can I say, Jill? It's you know you know what they say, Jill. James probably knows this too. It's happy hour somewhere, 
right? It's right. always always happy hour. Well, 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 we'll wait a little bit longer. Just let us get off the air. We've only got about 45 minutes left. Uh, I am only drinking cool, clear water in a cool, clear mug with a pink straw. I'm here in New York on Long Island, the North Shore. We had rain for days and days and days after we had snow last week. And finally today, the sun came out after the rain. But now the sun's looking like it's kind of ready to tuck back in behind a cloud and say, okay, kids, you had enough sunshine. That's why I have the pink straw. They do not let me have caffeine on radio show days, and I think you know why. James McClelland is with me today. He is the sponsor and genius behind this new series, Game Changing Utilities of the Future Radio. Our special guest, Jill Feblowitz from Feblowitz Energy Consulting. If you want to find Jill on the on uh, Twitter, and by the way, I am tweeting I'm tweeting at hashtag SAP Radio, looking at the tweet stream here. You can find Jill at Feb Energy, F-E-B-E-N-E-R-G-Y. I'm using it in my tweets. And you can see right now in a moment, you'll be able to see the wonderful quote she sent us from Eleanor Roosevelt. We're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to do a deep dive on our topic, which is... It ain't your grandma's utility anymore. It ain't your grandpa's utility anymore. And it may not even be your older brother or sister's utility anymore. I have a feeling James and Jill will like that. So don't even think of touching that mouse, that app, that dial. We will be right back. Michael out. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. The digital world is moving faster than ever, and the future will be defined by how quickly business leaders adapt to accelerated ongoing change. The definition of future success is being shaped by many factors, such as more digitally demanding employees, customers, and partners, an increasing variety of digital devices, resource scarcity coupled with data abundance, and extensive business networks and complex supply chains. Join our experts as they analyze and discuss how the digital world can lead to a better future for everyone. Game-Changing Utilities of the Future is presented by SAP. Visit SAP.com. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You're listening to Game-Changing Utilities of the Future, presented by SAP. Email your comments and questions to bonnie.d.gram at sap.com. And you're invited to tweet during and after the live show at Twitter hashtag SAPRADIO. Now, let's get back to Game-Changing Utilities of the Future. That's right. This is one of our brand new series for 2017. My special guests today are James McClelland at SAP and Jill Feblowitz at Feblowitz Energy Consulting. We're talking about this ain't your grandma's, your grandpa's, your older brother or sister or your cousin or your uncle if they're older, their utility anymore. What's going on? James McClelland is going to start the roundtable and here's what James told me in his notes before the show. He says utilities must adopt new business models to remain profitable and competitive. This will be changing the way they work and the way they use digital technology. James, why don't you expand this, and then we'll invite Jill to chime in on your topic. Go ahead. Yeah, I, I actually want to relate it back to what Jill was saying, that uh, utilities just can't continue with business as is. Uh, if they're going to remain profitable, people are starting to leverage solar panels. They're starting to make their own energy. Uh, this starts chipping away at the margins that a utility has. 
uh, if they're not producing as much energy, because, yes, there's increasing energy, but it's coming from different sources, utilities need to get into the business of possibly providing those solar panels, so they now need to become retailers. Uh, they maybe need to come in to do lead finding for other services. Uh, they're getting into the automotive business with electric vehicles. Mm-hmm. So to be able to sustain revenue, uh, they just can't rely on delivering electricity, water, or gas. And with new digital technologies, the mobile phone, most mobile phone users only use about 5% of the capabilities of the mobile phone. Utilities need to start to leverage all this type of digitization. They need to take care of technology to be able to change the way that they do work, to become more efficient, take a look at more data, become more predictable on what is going to happen with their assets, what their customer behaviors are like, and it's the only way that they're going to be able to sustain growth or they're going to end up having to pack up shop and close it down. James, before I bring Jill in on this, I want to ask you a question. Is this breaking news to utilities, the fact that we're even having this conversation, you and me and Jill, is this something that utilities around the world might listen to and say, oh, really? I didn't know that. Or are they saying, yeah, it's about time. They're right. We got to do it. Where are they on that spectrum? Or is it, oh, we already did that already. What are they talking about? Where are they, most of them? Oh, the discussions that I've had with most executives is they're taking a look long-term. They know that they need to change, uh, so they get it. Now, I, wanted to, I was going to keep this until the end, but I'm going to go on record as saying we had a program a couple of years back where we, you asked us for predictions, mm-hmm. and Jill said that it was going to happen quicker than we expected. I said it was going to be slow-moving ship and not to take a look until about 2020 for things to start happening. Jill was right. I was wrong. I'm going on the record because it is happening now. I love those words. <laughs> Jill, are you just basking in the glow of, of the, the accolade from James McClellan right now? Serious. Did you ever think it would? Of course you did. He's, he's really a very nice guy. Jill, I want to bring you in on this. What do you say? New business models to be profitable. And where do they, do they know? Don't they know? Where do the people you stand with in your consulting business? What do they say to you? Jill, go away. We did it already. Or Jill, bring it on. Tell us how to do it. What's going on? Everybody's actively looking um, at new business models. Um, some areas are further ahead in, than others in the United States. So, um, you know, Cal- obviously California, New York are, are way ahead of others. Um, there are even utilities in, in the uh, New England area which are looking into this. I think Every utility has some kind of research on what can be new business models for them, where can they get more revenue, what will um, go and fly with regulators as a new business model for the regulated entity and for those uh, utilities that have unregulated, parent companies that have unregulated entities, what can they do? And so we're seeing a lot of different initiatives by a lot of different companies, and it's different according to, you know, what state you're in and and also, you know, what kind of climate you have, you know. So California is kind of sun, you know, oriented, and what can they do with sun and solar and in that changes demand patterns. So they're looking at, at various business models around that, including, you know, more investment in, in EV charging infrastructure. Whereas, mm-hmm. you know, in Massachusetts, where I am, uh, 
there's a tremendous amount of offshore wind resources, and now there's a big push to invest in those resources uh, as, as part of the utility play. But most of the utilities I know have groups within the organization that are really looking hard at new business models and are testing things out. Yeah, and Jill, which, to add go, on go ahead, Jill, I, mm-hmm. I think that, you know, going back to your question, Bonnie, about do they get it, I think mm-hmm. the ones that were initially thinking were the ones that were in the deregulated market. They knew there was going to be competition. They knew they wanted to go out and steal someone else's lunch. But now it's still the regulated market as well that as we go with solar panels or as customers can start generating their own energy, even the regulated marketplaces are, are getting it and know they need to change. So it's no longer just a deregulation-type conversation. Interesting. There's, there's so much going on here. That's why I'm glad we're having this conversation. Jill, I'm looking at your notes, and let, let's take a little shift in our conversation here, talking about what utilities need to do, whether they're aware of it or not. Let's talk about engaging with their customers. You say utilities will focus on knowing and engaging with their customers. They will rely on digital interaction and financial analytics to prevent customer attrition to third-party providers. New customer-facing applications will also strengthen relationships with customers who are EV owners. So why don't you pull this apart for us, Jill? Yeah, and that's kind of following on to, to what you were saying, James, that that there's been customer attrition, that that customers in many areas are, are going to alternatives. And at the same time, um, in areas where there isn't customer attrition, uh, there's a dissatisfaction of customers with the performance of their utilities. And I think that in either case, there needs to be more of a focus on digital interaction. You know, you can, you can interact with you know, any number of people that service you right now as, as, a, as a consumer. And utilities are getting better at this, um, but they're not quite there yet. And so in order to keep people satisfied, they're going to have to up their game um, to really compete with, with some of the other providers out there in the healthcare industry and the retail industry um, to prevent that attrition and to keep customers satisfied. Um, in terms of uh, customer-facing applications, uh, strengthening the relationship with customers who are EV owners, I think that's, that's one, um, and, and that could also extend to uh, PV owners or storage owners. Um, I think that there's a, there's a place for utilities to be really involved because that establishes a different kind of relationship. And I think once you get into a different kind of relationship with your utility, you're no longer just paying the bill, but you're looking at how you're consuming, um, that will deepen the relationship. And so anything that utility does to really strengthen that, um, by, you know, helping, helping customers invest in smarter thermostats or analyzing whether their house might be a good opportunity for storage or uh, photovoltaics or where they have energy management opportunities will only be good for utilities. Thank you. Very interesting. I just want to bring in a side note before I pull up one of James's comments in his notes, which go hand in hand with what you just said, Jill. Uh, I just saw somewhere, it might have been a, a newsletter I got on email today. It said, 
when you go to a hotel, the thermostat is digitally controlled by the hotel. You cannot change that thermostat, thermostat no matter how hard you try. Two easy hacks to hack into the controls of your hotel room thermostat. Is this something that we're all supposed to know, Jill, or are we supposed to just accept that they're telling us how hot or cold it's supposed to be in the room? Well, you know, uh, I guess if you if um, if you are renting a ho- hotel room or staying at a hotel, um, maybe that's something that you should expect from now on. Um, mm-hmm. But I, when it comes to your home, you should be able to kind of balance how much comfort you need versus how much it's going to cost you and or the environment. Ah, we got some consciousness in there. Okay, appreciate that. I sit corrected as I control my own thermostat. It's on or it's off. I don't have any control over what happens in between. Thank you. James, I'm looking at your notes, and I want to bring in one statement from you that that echoes what Jill said. You say, providing excellence in the customer experience will be the pinnacle for utilities to provide. No longer does utility have a captured customer base. They must earn their customers. James, you want to tell us a little more about that? Yeah, absolutely. So now that the customer has the power to change, no longer does the utility just provide power, and if the lights go out, if we just focus on electricity, well, they'll just come back on when they get on. And where else did we ever have choice before? Now we do. And if I don't like my experience with my utility, I'm gone. And how much is it going to cost the utility to be able to get me back? So what I'm looking for And what the next generation more so is looking for is the same experience that if they're dealing with eBay, uh, if they're dealing with Barnes & Noble, that I want to have that same experience. Why can I not have that same experience, whether I'm talking to an agent, whether I'm online through a digitally connected device, why can I not have that same type of customer experience as I can in other industries? The challenge for a utility, and I've used this before, is they have a generation problem. Not power generation, but an age generation. My mother still wants to speak to an agent if something is Mm -hmm. wrong, and she wants to pay in cash. She doesn't like using the Internet. She doesn't trust it. My generation, I'm willing to pay or I'm willing to communicate via the Internet. Or if something's wrong, I still want to speak to a real person. I don't want to have to start pushing buttons and listening to recorded messages. I want to speak to a real person. My son and daughter, they want to do everything on their iPhone or on their Mm -hmm. mobile device. They don't want to speak to a customer service agent. They want everything to be self-service. They want it to be easy, very intuitive. The utility needs to deliver on all three of those type promises when they're communicating to to their customers to keep them satisfied. So it's it's cultural, it's geographical, it's what's happening in the world, it's whether they're, you're doing your own energy production, whether there's a newcomer in the landscape, it's generational, it's style, lifestyle-wise, it's digital. James, it seems to me that utilities have to be, we talk about omni-channel and things like retail and in terms of department stores and fashion, but it sounds, sounds like utilities have to engage with customers, as we say, where the customer is, the way and when and how the customer customer wants. Is that a fair overview? Absolutely. Absolutely. It means it's tough for utilities. You can't just sit there and say, okay, we're giving you the power. Put the lights on. Goodbye. Pay your bill and we'll talk to you next month. Not going to do that. People like me who live in, in uh, co-ops, in, in multifamily dwellings where everything is bundled into the into the maintenance. It's paid by the 
by the organization or by the, the corporation, as it will, and we own shares which represent our apartments or our, our offices in the building. So we never see that. Is there any kind of awareness? I mean, we, we don't really have a choice. The board or the local entities say these are the providers. This is what the building is going to use. James or Jill, any comment on that? People who don't have a choice on the style or what? It's, in other words, it might be mandated by the government. You cannot have oil. You have to have gas. You cannot have this. You have to have that. And then you have only a choice of one or two providers. Uh, any any comment on people who want to be a little more, shall we say, environmentally conscious, but they don't have the choice? Jill, any thoughts on that? Well, one thought that I would have is if you if you don't have uh, the choice in your individual uh, cooperative, you certainly want to have the choice uh, for the cooperative as a whole because. You know, depending on what the desires are of the co-op members, you may have a co-op that wants to be greener. Or, Mm -hmm. you know, probably more commonly, you want to have a co-op where um, you're reducing the amount of cost that you have that's associated with uh, energy consumption for, you know, heating, lighting, cooling, or whatever. And um, I would expect that condo boards or co-op boards you know, should be really aware of what's going on because it, it, it does affect their pocketbook in the end. There you and go. These are, these are also areas that as you're starting to see these incumbent retailers, energy retailers entering into the market, very quick, very nimble, these are opportunities for these incumbents to come in to speak to the co-ops to say, hey, you know what, I can give you a better product at a better price. And it's no longer, as I said, a stagnant industry that if you start having that competition, I see co-ops as being uh, a, a perfect target for a lot of the incumbents. Very interesting. I'm, I'm, uh, I won't say I'm persona non grata on my board. I served for 20 years and we did have some of these conversations and I saw where we were mandated to dig up the oil tanks from under the driveway and switch off of oil to a mm-hmm. different type of heat. And we were allowed to put a generator with diesel fuel, sunk it into the, the large backyard we have that is no longer used. So I know we've made several changes, uh, but we did on, in a defensive play, we did get a medium sized generator so that the 96 units here, many of which occupy, are occupied by uh, older single women, uh, myself not included, we, we, we have the ability to keep the lights on in the halls and the garage and keep the elevators running even in an emergency, even in a power blackout, which we very often get here on Long Island. But I digress. Let's talk a little more tech here. James, I'm going to pick another topic from you and then we'll pick one from Jill. You say predictive analytics will be in the forefront for utilities in 2017. Access to greater volumes of data, utilities must leverage greater processing power, turn data into actionable information, and make more timely and informed decisions. Sounds like every business is facing this. What's special for utilities in terms of predictive, James? Well, it's twofold, actually. So with the utility, it's a very simple type industry. I'm either focused on my customer and my customer's behaviors, or I'm focused on the asset and the asset behaviors. As we are moving towards, I don't like the term, a smarter type infrastructure, maybe a more Mm -hmm. intelligent type infrastructure with smart meters, smart grids, smart assets. We're collecting more and more data. It's one thing to collect all this data, but for the first time now that we're really harnessing the processing power to be able to take a look at that data and turn it around from being reactionary to being proactive and being able to predict behaviors of whether it be the asset or the customer. So if I can understand 
when people are using their power, I can customize contracts with my, with my consumers to keep them happier. I think a challenge to a utility for customer-type behaviors is going to Jill's point that now a utility needs the new business model of being a, a consultant to the customers. Have that data, show them their profiles, be able to predict what their behavior, when they're going to be using power, but provide that data back to the customer, but for no cost. No one wants to pay to see my data that I'm using. Mm-hmm. When I take a look in the assets, any time that we had problems with, say, a transformer, the first time that we knew that there was a problem going on with the transformer is when it went boom. And that's mm-hmm. costly error to a utility. Yeah. Transformers can cost from 20000 to $200,000 to repair. If I see, and I'm working with sensors of all this data that's coming in from a transformer, and I see it's vibrating, or I see the heat analysis that it's, it's raising up on heat, I can shut that down, reroute the power, and save our company a great deal of money. Because we're collecting that data, and as I said, for the first time, we have the processing power that we can analyze that data and become a little bit more predictive on it, this is the big theme that I'm seeing utilities are taking a look at into, starting here in 2017 for those who haven't already started. Interesting. Those who haven't already started, the ones we hope are listening and taking heed to what you and Jill are saying. Jill, join us. Predictive. What do you think? Yeah, I, I agree totally uh, with, with what James is saying about asset management and especially to um, reiterate his point about now we have the computing capacity and uh, the data inputs in order to be able to get much better about um, anticipating potential failures of equipment and, you know, heading them off at the pass, if you will. Um, the, other, the, the, the other predictive can also apply to um, what areas of the grid are likely to be affected in an approaching storm. So um, you can get a lot of data about weather impacts, a lot of historical data about impacts in the area, uh, vegetation data, so that if a superstorm is approaching, you know where to deploy your crews and how, you know, and what kind of uh, areas that they'll need to go to um, directly to dispatch them for um, getting on, getting lights on better. I also would say that predictive analytics is really going to be essential for dealing with um, a large amount of intermittent renewable resources on the grid, your your photovoltaics, uh, your wind power um, that's coming into the grid, that's feeding into the grid, um, because from an operational standpoint, um, the utilities really need to know how that's going to affect the harmonics on their grid and whether that's going to... Um, impact, you know, voltage fluctuations that will end up harming people's appliances. That's something that that really has to be uh, looked into. Um, at this point, I think utilities are far behind. Most utilities don't even know who in their um, service territory has PV on their roof. They don't have it captured in any kind of automated systems or any kind of systems that are connected with any other systems. Um, they don't know how much it's producing. Um, they don't know a lot of things, and and they need to be able to have that information in order to predict um, what changes in weather patterns or cloud covers is going to do to operation of their grid. 
Interesting, Jill. I was curious while you and James were speaking about alternative power here in, in New York where I live. So I just Googled alternative power on Long Island, New York. And fascinating array of websites came up. One is called LongIslandPowerSolutions.com. It says we found a way, I assume it's a private company, to install a solar power system in your home with no out of, I assume the next word is out of pocket. Another one is called AlternativePowerAndLight.com, located in Port Jefferson Station. We installed the first grid-connected solar PV system in New York. How about that? Uh, we have one here called Renewable Energy Long Island. We have one called um, Off Long Island Wind Power Test the Waters. That was a New York Times article January 21st this year. How about yep. that? After mm-hmm. after years of stymied progress, the Long Island dot, 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 fight to keep alternative energy local stymies in industry. So that's, yeah, that was just four days ago. Petro Alternative Power, Boating Times Long Island. Long Island needs to think regionally when it comes to solar power. Long Island Home Wind Power Installation, first wind power on Long Island uh, installers. Very interesting. I was not aware of this. As I told you and James, my my power sources are mandated by the co-op but and, and uh, th- the people who manage us or help manage us. So these are conversations I don't know if we've ever had here, but they certainly might bear looking into. So thank you both. I want to switch gears. We've been talking about the yay side, alternative, and the environment, and utilities climbing on board, digitalization, and taking that data and making it actionable, and paying attention to customers, and customers having choice and not being a captive audience anymore. I want to turn to the dark side, and just not just because the clouds came back and the sun has gone away here. The dark side is I'm looking. I hope that was a very dramatic segue, James. I'm trying my best here. Uh, Jill told me in her notes before the show, with increased hostilities in the world, we don't need to define that. Utilities focus on an investment in cybersecurity will ratchet up. We had to get to cybersecurity somewhere on this show, Jill. So why don't you expand us for us? What's going on? How bad is the situation? Um, well, you know, there have always been attacks on utilities. Uh, they're not well known. <laughs> um, and, and utilities have been constantly monitoring them. And ever since we had uh, the huge blackout of 2003, there's been, you know, uh, a regulatory body uh, that is, is mandates certain um, cybersecurity uh, measures that utilities need to take. Um, but what I meant by this statement is that things are getting much more intense um, and more resources need to be devoted to just keep up with all the different kinds of incursion and possible denial of services that, that can happen. Now, the, the reported hack in, in um, Vermont wasn't a big deal. It was kind mm-hmm. of made a big deal, but it happened to be um, one person... Uh, compute laptop being infected that wasn't really connected to the rest of the systems. But mm-hmm. that said, there are a lot of uh, introductions of, of chances for, for vulnerabilities. Um, and so utilities have really, in the last year or so, gotten a lot better about um, re-examining their own legacy systems and and really demanding security um measures from suppliers of their sensors and their systems and their applications to prevent, um, you know, hostile forces from the outside um, from hacking in. Um, could even be disgruntled employees, but now I think that um, most of the incursions are happening externally. 
Interesting. James, thoughts on this, on the dark side, if you'll permit me to say that for just a moment? Yeah, you know, cybersecurity has, has been an ongoing discussion for, for a number of years, and it's really becoming more and more to the forefront as, as we're putting sensors and mini computers onto every device and start to monitor every device. Uh, another challenge is a lot of people say, why can I not bring my own mobile device to work to do my work? And that just opens up another set of doors. So uh, mm-hmm. security will always be an issue. Um, you know, keeping up to date on software. Uh, will there be uh, accidental bugs within software programs? Uh, are there planted bugs? Uh, do you have Trojan horses that are coming through? Uh, so utilities are very concerned about it. It's definitely uh, an area of concern. Um, one of the big challenges that I see within the utilities industry is for security, it's probably best to go out to a third-party company first time out the gate because if you're developing a chief security officer within your own utility, cybersecurity is not just a utility thing. It's everywhere. It's for every industry. And the people who are good at it are becoming very highly in demand and being recruited away very quickly. So my, my comment to a lot of utilities is if you're investing into cybersecurity, you maybe want to take a look at a third-party firm to help drive that for your industry because your own people are going to be in high demand and are going to get posted very quickly, either within your industry or to external industries. Interesting. Very, very interesting. Jill, do you agree with that? Yeah, I do agree with that. Absolutely. Okay. You know what? I'm looking at the clock here, James. It's 45 after. We have about... Oh, about seven minutes until we go to our, our formal crystal ball predictions round at the end of the show. I think we've covered an awful lot of territory with the two of you. I'm very pleased this is a great introduction to your series, James. So I'm just going to toss it open for the next few minutes. James, what else is on your mind that you would like listeners around the world to know that you're going to cover here that's important? If this was going to be the, the, uh, the print, Utilities 101 in 2017, with everything that goes with that, what would you want to tell utilities that they should be looking at? Well, the key theme that we're seeing is digital transformation. And we start the program off about business transformation. And I hope within this series, we're going to focus on how digitization is transforming the industry. And when I speak on the industry, utilities, but it also is going to include uh, waste and environmental services. So we're, we're not going to forget about those guys as well. How is the waste industry changing because of digitization? How are they accepting new technology to change the way that they run their business models, as we spoke of? Uh, how are they going to make their money? How is it going to change the way that the processes of work get done? And how is it going to change the actual work and how they interact with their workers uh, as we move forward? Uh, it's, it's an exciting new time frame, as I said, but technology is driving change. If the utilities aren't going to make that move, they're not going to be around very much longer. They're going to need to change. They'll be forced to change if they want to become more efficient. And that's where we're going to take a look through this, the remainder of the series mm-hmm. and take a look at the Internet of Things. Uh, we may even bring in a, a series around blockchain and see how that's going to impact ah. utilities as well. 
Interesting about blockchain. I've been approached to do some blockchain shows on our flagship show, James, Coffee Break with Game Changers. February 22, I'm going to be doing a show with Jeremy Epstein, who was a VP of marketing for Sprinkler. For years, has his own marketing company now. And he brought me the topic of blockchain and marketing how blockchain is changing marketing. Not too many people apparently know about that, but there are some articles. But more important to this discussion, James, on March 29th and April 5th, don't ask me how I know that off the top, but I do. I sleep with my radio calendars. Um, we're going to be doing two shows, a part one and part two, on blockchain and finance systems around the world. One episode will focus on demonetization of countries like India and what's happening where money changes, money goes away, and you have completely different types of systems of how people buy things. And we were already seeing that in, I think, Amazon Go. You walk in, and we had a comment on a show the other day. You walk in, you pick up what you want, you put it in your basket, you walk out, and you almost look like a shoplifter, but you have digitally bought that item. So uh, blockchain and utilities, how is it going to affect utilities? Any Anything you could give us a quick preview of that, James? Well, uh, there's a couple of ways right now. One of the big examples, we're doing a study to see, does blockchain impact utilities? The ultimate answer is yes. But one of the first things that we saw out of the gate was a lot of, now that we're seeing legalization of of marijuana taking place uh, here in the U.S., around the world, marijuana growth takes an awful lot of electricity to grow. Banks don't want, uh, based on the mandates, banks don't want to be holding money that came from drug sales. So a lot of these pot houses have a lot of money. They want to try and pay their electrical bill. They can't do it through a bank. The electricity company really doesn't Mm -hmm. want to be associated with pot farms. So you need a different type of currency possibly to be able to pay for your, your energy. So we started to see a lot of patterns around the world that blockchain was... Uh, was really being on the tipping point of being able to assist with marijuana farms or distributors to be able to pay their electricity bills. That's, That's only really one interesting. example. Wow. I've seen blockchain um, <laughs> Go ahead, being experimented with is in, in Brooklyn, New York. Um, and there's this group called LO3 um, that is working on a microgrid in Brooklyn, New York, where um, we're people living in a certain neighborhood can exchange their energy with each other. And, um, you know, if I'm generating, I have solar panels on my roof, but I'm not home during the day and I don't have energy storage, you know, is there a neighbor that is home in the day that could use that energy? And they're using blockchain as a foundation for that. The other place that I've heard it being talked about is in energy trading. Um, because blockchain really um, records each transaction and mm-hmm. it does it according to contract, it's a very efficient way of knowing what transactions are going to be happening. That's why the, uh, all the banks and financial services firms are really interested in it. And there's always been a problem in energy trading where you have very diff- a lot of difficulty settling the bill with the wholesale markets in the end. And so there's been some experimentation with blockchain um, for trading in the, the wholesale energy markets. Fascinating. James, is this going to be one of your soon topics? I think we need to get this out on the radio soon. What do you think? The many, yep. many faces of blockchain and utilities. Uh, that, that information about legal marijuana and powering up the growth, the, the growth source 
for the plants. I never heard that, but I bet people would love to tune into that show. Oh, okay, I'll let you decide who's going to be on the panel for that one. We are officially now in prediction mode, the crystal ball part of the show. So because they're just the two of you, I can give you each a full two minutes or more to give me predictions. So we've been... I think we've been dipping our toe in the in the crystal ball pool, if you will, during the whole part of the hour, talking about what utilities need to do, implying the future could happen any moment now. As I finish the end of the sentence, the future just happened there. So let's talk about, uh, James, I'd like to focus on 2020. As somebody pointed out to me last week, that's only three New Year's Eves away. Think about that. It's, it's exciting and depressing at the same time because it used to be 2020, far off in the future, and now it's what? So, James McClellan, why don't you give me two and a half minutes of predictions? What will utilities look like? Won't be grandmas anymore, although more and more young grandmas, you never know. Uh, what will utilities look like in 2020 or beyond that would change this conversation if we met again? Well, this is where I was going to hold back for about my, my Jill's comment that Jill was right and I was wrong. But I think by 2020, uh, number one, you're starting to see more and more mergers and acquisitions taking place, especially with large, fundamentally strong, historically long-term utilities. Uh, so you're, you're starting to see that merger and acquisition phase take off again. And a lot of the large utilities, especially on the generation side, I think you'll see they'll be combining resources around power generation simply because you're going to see much more distributed energy uh, creation uh, at, the, at the retail or at the local level. Uh, they just can't sustain all the different power plants by themselves if people are starting to consume and produce energy themselves. I think uh, as the price of solar panels comes down uh, or wind power uh, distributed wind farms, solar panel farms, uh, you're starting to see more generated energy, and I think you'll see an increase in that because the price of production has come down. Uh, and I think you're going to see the adoption of much more smarter devices, uh, learning 3D-type printing. Uh, you're going to see intelligent assets that are self-learning, and the utilities are investing into those heavily uh, to become more efficient. So large utilities may not exist anymore because they may have been bought or they may acquire someone else. It's all around data analytics and prediction and how to take data and make it into actionable information. And you're going to see the advent or the adoption much more of smarter devices to the, to the state that we haven't seen yet today. Thank you, James. I see a lot of here, a lot of optimism in there, excitement and, and the unknown, knowing about the unknown. Very interesting. We're just going to have to keep your series going for the next three years, okay? You and I and Jill and a bunch of others so that we can get there and say, yeah, it's New Year's Eve 2020. What did James say that was right? Well, probably all of it. Jill Feblow, would love to have you take two minutes for your predictions. What do you see 2020 for utilities? Yeah, so in 2020, I agree with James that there'll be a lot more smarter devices, Um in the utility, and um, including drones. So I've really seen an uptick with drones, and the regulations are now um, more uh, conducive to the utility use of drones. I think that that the, the utility workforce is going to then change with that. Um, I mean, right now we're kind of in a weird situation in the U.S. There's a lot of workers in the Rust Belt that, you know, express their dismay with the lack of jobs. Um, yep. And at the same time, there's a lot of utilities who are saying we can't attract enough uh, employees to our organization. 
And so the work of the future is going to have to be much more technically savvy. So, you know, if the utilities are, are good at this and thinking about this, they'll start to, you know, work with a lot of uh, community colleges and other organizations and labor groups to train the, the former Rust Belt workers um, to work in the utility of the future and and give them that training. And I think on the other hand, they'll they'll have already upped their game to attract those millennials to make them very attractive workplace um, at the utility. So I think that's going to happen too uh, as well. Um, Thank you. I, yep. you know, One more. I'm kind of yep. still an idealist, and I think that um, there's going to be um, starting to be built a, a distribution um, market um, and a lot of technology is going to go into that. Um, right now, uh, the, the best example of, of the, the thinkers on this market are New York with the re-envisioning um, energy and also California, thinking about um, how they can provide a different mechanism for the distribution market to operate and also for the distribution system to operate. And I think we're going to get a point by 2020 where there's a lot higher penetration of different types of distributed resources, which I mentioned before. Um, We've already seen it with solar and wind. Uh, Storage will come down, and that'll change the picture even more because resources will be a lot more flexible. Thank you, Jill. We are out of time. What a great show. James McClelland, I want to congratulate you on what I think it was a wonderfully intelligent, savvy, and and interesting kickoff to your new series, Game-Changing Utilities of the Future Radio. Jill, delighted to have you on board. I hope the two of you will come back. And James, it's your series. You can be on every single time if you want to, and I encourage that, and I hope we'll get Jill back often. So we kicked off our fifth new series for 2017. Absolutely happy about that. I'm Bonnie D. Graham. Believe it or not, this is it for our broadcast week. We did five live shows this week. We're going to do the same next week. Find us on the Business Channel at World Talk Radio. Thank you to Michael, our engineer. And yes, it did pay to blow off the dust on the contacts on my tie line. It's much clearer now. So here's my call to action. Fasten your seatbelt, everyone. What are you waiting for? Go out and be a game changer today. Like James, like Jill. Yay! Bye-bye. Thanks again for tuning in to Game-Changing Utilities of the Future, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. To keep the conversation going, tweet your questions and comments to Twitter hashtag SAPRADIO. Please join host Bonnie D. Graham again on Tuesdays on the Business Channel. We wish you a positively game-changing week.